Taiwan has extended its ban on outbound tour groups, citing the severity of the pandemic overseas. The announcement was made by a tourism official at the CCC's weekly press conference on Wednesday. The official did not mention an end date for the ban. Also on Wednesday, Taiwan raised its COVID risk assessment for South Korea. Due to its uptick of COVID cases, South Korea was cut from Taiwan's list of low to medium low risk countries. This means South Korean business travelers are no longer eligible for shorter quarantines when traveling in Taiwan. In related news, you can now be fined for refusing to wear a mask at eight types of public venues where there are mandatory. On Wednesday, the CECC authorized local governments to hand out fines to violators. After days of swirling speculation, NTU's College of Public Health has announced it will hold a press conference on Thursday to address the large-scale antibody study carried out in Zhanghua. Originally, the study's findings were slated to be published on Tuesday. But after that press release was abruptly cancelled, and since then, controversy has been growing about why and whether the data will ever be made public. NTU professor Chen Xiuxi made a public statement on Wednesday, saying the data would definitely be published when it's ready. After days of uproar about the cancelled announcement, Chen Xiuxi of NTU College of Public Health spoke to reporters Wednesday morning. We will find a way to comply with the uh, so-called orders from the Central Epidemic Command Center and publish the results very soon as a public service as far as possible. Crucially, the study found there were cases of COVID-19 loose in the community in Zhanghua. Chen said in light of that, the results would be published as soon as peer review was complete. But within hours at Wednesday midday, reporters received a text alert. A joint press conference would be held Thursday morning, it said, with NTU professor Jan Changchun presiding and his NTU colleagues Chen Xiuxi and Cheng Shouxia, joined by Zhanghua Health Bureau Chief Ye Yanbo and the CECC's Zhuang Renxiang. Have health chiefs kissed and made up, we asked. It's not about making up or not making up. I remember how, in the command center, we had some predictions, some opinions about this antibody study. However, I have repeatedly congratulated them on the success of it, so there's no question of whether we're going to make up or not. The drama began on Sunday, when a press release for the study's findings scheduled for Tuesday was cancelled. Health Minister Chen Shizhong said the College of Public Health shouldn't give up on the study. Many took issue with that framing of the situation. I don't think they are giving up. They just think the data needs to be clarified a bit more. If people think this idea of giving up is over-politicizing it, then I apologize. I just hope that the information will be made public. Asked why he wouldn't be on stage at Thursday's presser, Chen Shizhong simply said they hadn't asked him to appear and that it clashes with a cabinet meeting he will attend. The Tourism Bureau is running out of funds for a travel subsidy program scheduled to last until October 31st. The program launched on July 1st, offering up to 1,200 NT a night for hotel stays. As of August 24th, more than 90% of the 3.6 billion NT budget is already used up. 
The bureau predicts that it will need another 3.4 billion NT to keep the program going until the end of October. It says it will seek additional funding from the executive yuan. If the request is rejected, it may reduce its current subsidies by half and maintain the program using funds allocated by the transportation ministry. The bureau says that in the worst case scenario, it will close the subsidy program early once the budget is depleted. Patient numbers at Taiwan's hospitals and doctor surgeries have fallen dramatically over the last six months, according to the National Health Insurance Administration. Doctors recorded 15.5 million fewer appointments than in the same period in 2019. That means doctors' visits have dropped 8% as the public steers clear of any virus hotspots. But doctors are warning that citizens should not put off even routine health screenings for too long. As the threat of coronavirus recedes, some are daring to venture back to the doctor for minor ailments, when a few months ago they might have abstained. NHI figures show that appointment numbers fell by 8% on average over the last six months, with emergency visits room dropping most dramatically by 16%. Mortality rates also fell by almost 1.5%. That's resurrected the eternal debate over wasteful doctor's appointments. Actually, we shouldn't call them wasted. Rather, when the public better understands how to protect themselves, then they won't catch so many infections. There will be far fewer infectious colds. Over the whole last six months, the load on the services of the whole medical system has fallen by about 11%. For big hospitals, the fall has been smaller. At local doctors' clinics and at local community hospitals, the drop has been slightly bigger. At Shinkong Wuhosu Memorial Hospital, for example, pediatrics, ear, nose and throat and the psychiatry departments have all seen a noticeable thinning out of patients. But some doctors are concerned that as people skip routine checkups, even patients with cancer or chronic illnesses, Taiwan could now see an uptick in cases of serious diseases like cancer. At our hospital throughout the pandemic, the drop in numbers of people coming in for their health checkups has been about 40 percent. A health checkup is not something you're going to prioritize in the middle of a pandemic, as it's a non-essential medical appointment. The NHI says uptake of its cancer screenings has fallen by somewhere between 10 and 20 percent, with oral cancer screenings getting skipped most often. But they say right now when patients are fewer than usual, it's the perfect time to pop in for that screening you've been putting off. The Ministry of Culture has announced they will give give out another 600,000 vouchers worth 600 NT each to spend on arts and culture goods and services. This second wave of the Arts Fun Go vouchers will be issued in paper format only. A drawing will be held on September 8th to pick the winners. However, not everyone is eligible this time around. Applicants are restricted to minors, seniors over 65, and people with disabilities who did not win a voucher in the first round of the scheme. Application will run from August 31st to September 6th. To apply, take your national health insurance card to one of the four main convenience store chains between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. or register online with a card reader. Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Qimai met the test of heavy rain on Wednesday, which was his third day in office. Downpours struck Kaohsiung and flooded districts, including Dashe, Gangshan and Luju, making many roads impassable. Early morning on Wednesday, the new mayor canceled his scheduled trip to Taipei, heading instead to the worst-hit Kaohsiung areas to inspect flood damage.
Wearing a raincoat, Kaohsiung Mayor Chen arrives with his deputy Charles Lin and other members of his administration. Early Wednesday morning, they headed to Gangshan District's water pumping station to inspect flood damage. Heavy rain had battered Kaohsiung overnight. The rain kept Chen busy through the night and stranded morning commuters on roads with poor visibility. Chen cancelled his scheduled trip to Taipei to attend a Taiwan-Japan Agriculture Expo and a swearing-in at the DPP headquarters. Instead, the new mayor stayed in Kaohsiung to hold down the fort. This morning, I told my colleagues that the trip up north would be cancelled. After all, the issue of flooding is of the highest concern to the public. I wouldn't feel at ease if I went away, so I ended up staying in Kaohsiung. It was his third day in office and already there was a test from the heavens. More than 200 millimeters of rain hit parts of Kaohsiung, including the Gangshan, Luzhu and Dasha districts. At 6 in the morning, the Water Resources Agency issued a level 1 flood alert in Gangshan. There were heavy and extremely heavy rain advisories. So yesterday, I asked our Water Resources Bureau and various public administration systems to closely monitor the flooding situation. Yesterday, according to my recollection, it was a little past 2 in the morning when I was informed of relatively severe flooding in northern Kaohsiung. There were some areas, like Luju and Gangshan, receiving more than 80 millimeters of rain an hour. Major flooding was seen in Gangshan. High water also overtook a temple in Luju district. At Renwu Tsaokong New Canal and the Fengrencheng Guan Road intersection, muddy water also pooled. There was also flooding along Changxing Road in Luju district. Police had put up a cordon, but it wasn't enough to keep drivers out. Amid rounds of rain, authorities are on the alert for severe damages or injuries. Locals are asked to keep their wits about them and to steer clear of flooded areas. Farmers from southern Taiwan showcased their finest products at a Taipei Expo aimed at Japanese buyers on Wednesday. From Tainan, there was the famous Mado Pomelo. Representing Kaohsiung was the Hanchun onion, which gets its trademark sweetness from the cool winds that blow through the peninsula. Speaking at the event, Council of Agriculture Chief Chen Zhong said he would help farmers expand their inroads into the Japanese market. Fillets of fresh fish are flipped as they sizzle on the griddle. The aroma of mackerel and giant grouper fills the air at the expo hall. It's tasty, and the pieces are really big. You can taste the freshness of the fish. It's so fragrant. Actually, I really like mackerel. It's really good. Would totally recommend. Business delegations from Pingdong, Kaohsiung, and Tainan showcased their agricultural and fishery products in Taipei on Wednesday. There was a wide variety of goods on show. Representing Pingdong were onions from Hunchun and black beans from Manzhou. There were rolled banana wafers from Kaohsiung's Qishan and products from Tainan such as Mado pomelos and seafood like tilapia. A forum on agricultural and fishing product exchanges between Taiwan and Japan was held alongside the expo. The event presented an opportunity for local companies to secure orders for export. <laughs> Our agricultural sector won't just provide enough for the people of Taiwan, that is, safely supplying enough to meet domestic demand. On top of that, Taiwan will keep playing a role on the international stage. This year, we are likely to see growth in our agricultural exports. Japan-Taiwan Exchange Association representative Azumi Hiroyasu also spoke at the event. He said Taiwanese bananas and mangoes were a favorite of the Japanese. 
I've heard that there are several schools in Japan that serve Taiwanese bananas in school lunches. I've also introduced Japanese friends to Taiwanese mangoes. Through negotiations for trade deals, we can get Pingdong's best quality agricultural products to be sold around the world. In the first half of the year, agricultural and fishing industries were slammed by the impact of the pandemic. Through closer exchanges with Japan, Taiwan hopes local products will make new inroads to boost profits. Attention, Taipei scooter drivers! There's now a monthly parking pass that promises big savings. The Taipei City Parking Management and Development Office has rolled out a pass for roadside parking at 16 commercial districts where fees were phased in last year. It's 400NT per scooter for a one-month period starting on the 25th. Orders can be placed online. Scooter drivers can pay for their online order in cash at a select list of parking garages, or they can use mobile payment and get a 100NT discount. In related news, Taipei is adjusting its fees for scooter parking. Starting September 7th, scooters will be charged no more than 20 NT a day, no matter how many different places they park at. Currently, scooters are charged 20 NT for each time they park in a paid area. Academia Seneca researchers have created a bacteria strain that can effectively convert the chemical methanol into fuels and other useful products. Unlike naturally occurring bacteria that eat methanol, this synthetic strain is capable of using methanol as its only source of carbon. The team's findings have been published in the international scientific journal Cell. E. coli isn't the first thing that comes to mind when thinking about recycling, but a breakthrough finding by Academia Sinica could give E. coli a key role in environmental sustainability. Academia Sinica researchers have created a strain of E. coli that can efficiently convert the methanol into useful products. Unlike other methanol-eating bacteria, this one can meet all of its carbon needs for methanol, making it an especially efficient converter. We evolved uh, an uh, E. coli, uh, basically a bacteria, to grow on methanol as a sole carbon source. So it's basically the sole uh, food source. Uh, we used um, um, genetic tools and then uh, used um, um, DNA manipulation tools to change the DNA inside uh, the bacteria, which is E. coli, inside your, uh, a kind of gut bacteria. And then we converted it to enable it to use a methanol as a, as a carbon source. This synthetic strain can be applied in the technologies available today to turn methanol into fuel, anti-cancer drugs, biodegradable plastics, and more. Once we, we develop this synthetic organism, we can tap into the existing technologies that people have developed for E. coli. We use E. coli as a base, so including CRISPR, including all the, the metabolic engineering, synthetic biology tools that have been applied to E. coli. We now can apply that to this synthetic metilotroph. Bacteria that eat methanol or methane, called methylotrophs, exist out in nature. Researcher Frederick Chen said scientists have been trying to make one in the lab for more than a decade. Academia Sinica is the first to succeed. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Zhang Tingxiang, in Taipei.